Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family Radio as we continue our family Bible studies in the Gospel of Luke. Today we're in Luke chapter 9. We're studying the Transfiguration, and I know what you're thinking, or at least I know what you should be thinking. You're asking, what in the world does a transfiguration have to do with the practical affairs of family life? Well, let's read the text, and then we'll dig in. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his countenance was altered, and his raiment became dazzling white. And behold, two men talked with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was to accomplish at Jerusalem. How does the transfiguration fit into the practical affairs of family life? In this show, I'd like to share with you a bit of my personal spiritual journey for the past five to seven years, because I think it will help you kind of see behind the scenes of Faith and Family Radio of the 240 shows that I've already done since I the year I took a sabbatical off from Faith and Family Radio. Um, and one of the things that prompted me to take that sabbatical, I had been doing uh, for about 14 years, I think I was the longest running, continuously running uh, Catholic radio show that was that call-in format, and I was taking questions for 14 years. And I came to the realization that I wasn't hearing certain critical questions quite as much as I should. And during the sabbatical, I wanted to focus on what questions should be asked, and then even more important, what would be the answer to that. And I knew Catholic families in the 21st century were facing unprecedented challenges. And the biggest question, and you've heard me probably mention this question a dozen times over the last half dozen broadcasts, you should know why I'm doing this so frequently and so passionately, and it's this. How in the world can we prevent the faith dropouts of millions of Catholic teens and young adults every year. In a way, um, it's incomprehensible to me that somebody hasn't pulled the fire alarm, so to speak. We're just going about things in our usual way, and we're losing millions. The majority of our youth have ceased practicing the faith. So this is the question I took with me to the sabbatical. How can we keep our youth from falling away? And obviously, there's, there's many things involved, but I was looking for major things. So during this sabbatical, I believe God gave me an answer. And so before even coming back on uh, Catholic radio, I went to Home Depot, purchased a quality piece of wood. I went to my garage and started sanding and staining and then I mounted an icon of the transfiguration on it, and I brought it into our radio studio. It's now placed in a very prominent position. 
looking at me right now as I'm talking to you on Faith and Family Radio. So ever since my return, the transfiguration icon has been giving me a message for you. Let me just go a little bit further on this. The first series that I did after coming back to Faith and Family Radio was a series entitled Transforming Grace. You know, another way to speak of transfiguration is transformation. And I believe in that series, which became basically the relaunch of Faith and Family Radio, trying to answer that critical question, how to prevent the faith washout of older teens and young adults. And as interesting, here in South Carolina, the Catholic radio stations replayed uh, that series multiple times. I, I'm hoping they saw a worth in it. And you can get that whole series, Transforming Grace. You can purchase it on an MP3 CD at dads.org website, or you can go to Spotify or iTunes and listen to it free. And you can perhaps ask your local radio station for a re-airing. Once you hear today's broadcast and understand there's, there's a reason behind all this. And one last thing in my spiritual journey is the uh, decision to write a book on the topic that is now nearing completion. And we've actually thrown out some ideas for the cover of that book that it will be Transforming Grace and How to Rescue Our Young People from a Toxic 21st Century Culture or something like that. But the picture on the cover will be, guess what? The Transfiguration. Now, here's how I made the discovery for the spiritual formation of youth facing our anti-Christian culture. I basically came to the conclusion that we are in uncharted territory. A lot of people saying, oh, we've been here before. I disagree. We haven't been here before because just the technological pressures, I'm talking about the media, the music, the social media on young people and their pressures to conform uh, today are unprecedented. And even before all this ever came, soon to be Saint John Henry Newman felt that what we were facing was worse than the Aryan crisis. And I've heard it just this week that the Aryan crisis was worse than our modern crisis of faith in the world and in the church. He would disagree. I would too. So, looking for the answer, we're in an anti-Christian culture. How do we form young people to resist this? And one of the things that I do, I read outside of my religious circle. In other words, uh, I read a lot of the books published by Ignatius Press, but I read other books as well, as my staff will testify. And it was, in fact, reading outside of my religious circle as an evangelical Protestant pastor that I surprisingly discovered Catholicism. So I'm kind of always on the lookout for good things. And it was interesting, Pope St. John Paul II said that Christians should breathe with two uh, lungs. In other words, we have our East and our Western churches, and they both have something to offer for the spiritual life of each other. You know, another metaphor we toss around today is that we should use both our left and right brains. Well, in his Light from the East apostolic letter, St. John Paul II said this, 
and divinization, and that's a big word, but let's just substitute a little parenthesis there. That's transformation. That's the transfiguration, so to speak, of the believer in the image of Christ. But in divination, and particularly the sacraments, Eastern theology attributes a very special role to the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Spirit who dwells in man, deification already begins on earth. The creature is transfigured. And that's why the East placed such emphasis, and we do in the West, but sometimes we just kind of go through the routine and don't grasp it quite as much, is that the Spirit would come with the sacraments and bring about the creature's transfiguration. And, you know, in the Orthodox Church, the transfiguration and icon of the transfiguration reveals the entire goal of the Christian life. I mean, in the West, like if you're an evangelical, you know, you believe the four spiritual laws and confess Christ and go to heaven. And Catholics, it's it's a little more steps to it, but basically we want to get to heaven. In the East, it's get to heaven plus. It's heaven gets to us and changes us and transforms us. And that's what the transfiguration reveals. It's not just that Jesus was glorified, but remember Moses and Elijah were glorified there in the mount with them in a glorified uh, figure, whatever it was. And so to be glorified, to be deified, to theosis, as they call it in the Eastern church, or to be transfigured, just to make it simple, this is what is so important in the East. And if we're going to breathe with both lungs, if we're going to use both our left and right brains, if we're going to use both left and right hands and arms, then the transfiguration should become a part, a more vital part of our thinking as Catholics. Now, it's not like we don't think about it, but in my experience, it receives relatively minor emphasis in our thinking and our devotional life. Yes, we have a feast day about it. Yes, we then talk about it. But most of us kind of move on from there. It's, it's not our week-to-week, day-by-day kind of goal. And it's interesting. I just went to the USCCB website for the liturgical year, and they included the principal celebrations of the Catholic liturgical year. And guess what? Transfiguration doesn't appear there. It's my suggestion that the transfiguration revealed in Luke, Mark, and Matthew, the transfiguration of Jesus, and our transformation into the image of Christ is a missing major ingredient in the spiritual formation of Catholic youth. You know, um, we say, well, okay, we're going to spiritually form a young person, attend class, impart religious information, and graduate with a sacrament. And it's basically forming the mind. And uh, if I would draw a cartoon of this, it would be a young person with a giant head the size of a huge beach ball and a teeny tiny skinny little body. And the idea of transformation is that your whole being is transformed. All of you, not part of your mental compartment that you store religious information, but all of you. And so let's go back and look at the transfiguration 
And in Luke, it doesn't mention the word that Jesus was transfigured, but the parallel passage in Matthew does. And I'm going to read that from Matthew 17 and verse 2. And here it is. And he, that's Jesus, was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. Now, this word in Greek, and I'm not going to give you the Greek word because 99% of you don't know Greek, but I'll give you the closest English word for this, and the word that in English comes from this Greek word is metamorphosis. It's this almost change of form, this total transformation. And so to be transfigured is to be transformed, and it's a total change, including a change from the inside out, not a mental acknowledgement. Repeat, parents, repeat, catechists. It's not just a mental acknowledgement or childhood behavioral conformity to family norms. It's a metamorphosis. Now, here's the big part, uh, and this is where, I guess, the division between East and West, we, I mean, I, you know, the East has obviously lost, lost some big things like the papacy that they could certainly use. But on the other hand, perhaps we've lost something that we look, wow, isn't it wonderful that Jesus was transfigured and glorified and showed his glory and all that? All right, let's go about our business. Well, that's not it. Because what Jesus was showing us is what he wants to do with us. He wants to transform us. This is a major part of the Christian life that's receiving minor emphasis. I'm not saying it's not receiving any emphasis, but it's receiving minor emphasis. So now we go to a really important verse, and I told you this book I'm writing after I made the icon and after I did this series of Transforming Grace, uh, I almost put this verse on the cover of the book, and you're not supposed to put Bible verses on the cover of the book, so I might put it on the first page of the book, and it's this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What did St. John Paul II say about the Spirit's role in the transformation, the deification, the theosis, the transformation of the believer? It's the special role of the Holy Spirit. And St. Paul, when he says unveiled face, you see, Moses would go into the holiest place on earth, the inner sanctuary, so to speak. He would go in and meet with God. But his faith was so illuminated when he came out, he had to veil himself because people couldn't look at him. Did you know, Just this is just a P.S. that C.S. Lewis said, if you would see your most humble friend in glory, that you would be very tempted to worship him or her as a god because this is what Jesus is not only glorified, he wants to transform us as well. So he's saying with unveiled face, we're going to be like Moses, and we're going to see God in his full glory, and we are being transformed. This is the Catholic life. The Catholic life is to be transformed into the image of Jesus. 
2 Corinthians 3.18, and it comes about by the Spirit. Now, what word is that in Greek for the word transformed? It's the same Greek word that we get the English word metamorphosis. It's the same thing we find of the transfiguration, Matthew 17, 2 Corinthians 3. He was transfigured, we're transformed. In Greek, it's the same word. And you think, well, that's ah, a slip of the pen. All right, if you think that, we're going to go to a second key verse for this. And this is where parents, you want to put your antenna up very tall because I'm going to summarize you for you at least what I perceive as the fundamental challenge for the teen, particularly the late teen years and young adulthood, in a single verse in the New Testament. Here it is, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. St. Paul says, do not be conformed. And you notice in that word conformed, there's a, a, a same root within that that you find in the word transform. Transform is to change into the image of Christ, to conform, do not be conformed to the world, is to be pressured into conforming to the world's ways rather than the image of Christ. And 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So what is happening in the 21st century that parents are facing today to a degree that parents perhaps have never faced before in the history of mankind, okay? We're obviously getting into a pagan culture and people are doing things that appear that the, even the human rationality is leaving us. And what is all this? It, it's the power of the modern world and all of our wonderful technological achievements to put pressure on young people to conform to anti-Christian social norms. That is what it is. Um, there is a Protestant Bible translator by the name of J.B. Phillips who had a very famous paraphrase of Romans 12:2, this first part of the verse, and it goes like this. Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. This is what happens when you hit a high school campus. This is what happens to a freshman the first few weeks of their college experience. This is what happens when a young person moves away from family and friends and all of a sudden has a big decision to make. And the pressure is on and the world is trying to squeeze young Christians into its mold, and it is winning when the majority of Catholic youth are allowing themselves to fall away from the faith and being conformed into this mold. So what is the solution to social conformity to an anti-Christian culture? To be transformed. A young person today, I'm just gonna make it real clear and simple. They're either going to conform or they're going to be transformed. And there's not a whole lot of middle ground left. Uh, folks, this isn't the 1950s. This isn't even the 1990s. This is the 21st century. And even since the turn of the calendar for the 21st century, 
things have radically changed and the conformity is on steroids. And so what we need is a power greater than this. And there is one. It's called transformation in Christ. And it's not, it's just something that's there that we didn't realize it was such a, uh, a precious treasure. You know, when I was a Protestant pastor, I don't know where this came from, it just came into my mind, but my aunt was over in Norway and she came back and shared with us that our family had a saint and its family history. And, uh, you know, to me at the time, it meant absolutely nothing. And I buried it in an old file cabinet out in my garage. It was a rusty file cabinet. As many of you know, our home was hit by a hurricane uh, after we became Catholics. So, you know, hurricanes happen to Catholics too. In any case, I was just cleaning out the file cabinet before throwing it out, and I came across a file drawer. Something I just totally ignored. It had been there. I knew it intellectually, but wow, a Catholic saint. Maybe that's how we got into church, because it sure wasn't me. It had to be the grace of God and somebody praying. Who? Well, that's the kind of thing with the transfiguration in our transformation into his image. This is the type of gem that you could have had all along and simply overlooking. I'm gonna give you some commentaries on Romans chapter 12, and Romans chapter 12, when it says to be transformed, that's the same Greek word found in 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Matthew 17.2 for the transfiguration. This transformation it's talking about is exactly what is needed, and it's predicated on the transfiguration of Jesus. And here we go. This is from the New International Greek New Testament Commentary, but I'm going to give you all English, so don't, um, don't panic. And I quote, this remarkable metamorphosis that Paul speaks of here in Romans 12 is not some pattern of external decorum or form of outward expression. Now, as parents with young kids, you, you obviously start working on external decorum, but you don't want to make this the Christian life. You want to have your goal. You want to have your target. You want to have it clear as can be. And maybe you need to go to Home Depot and get a nice piece of wood and sand and stain it and then get a print of the icon of the transfiguration and put it somewhere where you see it in a prominent position so you know what you're about. And then it goes on to say, rather, it is a complete inner change of thought, will, and desires that Christians are to allow God, by means of his Holy Spirit, to bring about in their lives, resulting, not starting, but resulting in a recognizable external change of actions and conduct. It is a metamorphosis of a person's inner being. Again, it doesn't start with external conformity and behavioral norms. It's this inner change. This is what you're gunning for. This is from the New American Commentary on Romans. Rather than allowing the world to squeeze you into its mold, quoting translator Phillips, Paul told believers to be transformed by the renewing of their minds without which there is continuing pressure to adopt the customs and mindset of the world in which we live. Although that influence must be rejected, hear this, hear this, that alone 
will never create the kind of change that God has in mind for his followers. In other words, it's not willpower to try to reject the world's force, okay, the world's conforming power. Real and lasting change comes from within. And it's a radical reorientation that begins deep within the human heart. Scholar N.T. Wright, New Testament scholar, Many Christians in today's world never come to terms with this. They hope to be able to live up to something like Christian standards while still thinking the way the rest of the world thinks. It can't be done. Christian living never begins with a set of rules, though it contains them as it goes forward. It begins with the glad self-offering of one's whole self to God. It involves renewal of the mind, so that we are enabled to think straight instead of the twisted thinking of the world that would force it upon us. And now this last quote, this is me, and this is trying to summarize what I have tried to do in the last five years. So if you want to go listen to a lot of past broadcasts, I know what he was thinking there, and I want you to know exactly what I was thinking. And I want you to know what I'm thinking today, and I want you to know what I'm thinking tomorrow, and that's what the purpose of this broadcast is. And so here it is in a couple of sentences. The contemporary world's external conformity pressures are far more potent than conformity to parental norms and churchy rules. When a young person hits the late teens and young adulthood, what's needed then is a powerful Holy Spirit-inspired internal metamorphosis. And God's up to the task. In Ezekiel 36, he promises in the new covenant, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. In Jeremiah 32, again, talking about the new covenant, this is our day. He says, I will give them one heart that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make them an everlasting covenant. This is the covenant. The heart of this, the goal of this, is our transformation into the image of Christ. And and the scripture goes on to say, I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. That they may not turn from me. If we take the whole gospel, apply it to our family life, they will not turn from from God our Savior. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 241 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.